Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, and I'm founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, senior pastor of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alumni, which means we spend a lot of time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. Well, here we are, episode two, Welcoming the Stranger, and Jesus himself came near. Hi, Ruth. Hi, good we to are, see you, Steve. Oh, man, always good to be with mm-hmm. you. I can't wait for this one. So locate us again in the story. The two people are on the road to Emmaus. They're talking about all the things that mm-hmm. happened. And yeah. then there's this mm-hmm. stranger yeah. that comes. Yes, and so then Jesus himself drew near. So there was something about this conversation, the rawness of it, the humanity of it, the honesty of it, that causes Jesus, I think about it as Jesus wanting to participate. It's yeah. like, that's a really good conversation right there. I want to go be with <laughs> those juicy. guys, you know. And so, you know, the quality of the conversation invites Jesus to draw near. But Jesus is a stranger to them. They do not know who he is. And so he approaches them in what I would consider to be a very forward way. He approaches them and says, what are you talking about as you walk along the road? Now, I would have been offended. I don't like it when people intrude on a private conversation. Like, we're going really well here. Do not interrupt. You're not a part of this. This is very private, very personal. So I would have probably been kind of irritated and offended if if a stranger had come up to me while I was having that kind of a conversation. And yet, this whole story pivots on the fact that they welcome the stranger and let Jesus become a part of the conversation, even while he was a stranger to them. So they were frustrated with him because they couldn't believe that he didn't know what they were talking about. They could not believe that he didn't know what had happened in Jerusalem during those days. And so they tried really hard to communicate with him. They weren't able to uh, really put it all into words, at least not right away. But the pivot point of the story is that they welcomed him and let him become a part of the conversation. Because think about it. If they hadn't, the story wouldn't have happened at all. Nothing else in that story would have happened if they had not welcomed him, a stranger, into their conversation. And I find that to be so instructive. It raises all sorts of questions for me. You know, who is the stranger today that might be Jesus in my life, where Jesus wants to speak and be close to me through that person? Where have I rejected the stranger and refused Jesus' presence because I wasn't willing to welcome the stranger? Who is the stranger for me right now? And what does Jesus want to say to me through them? It gives me a whole different lens with which to look at the world and the people that I encounter day to day. I love it too, because if somehow, in some way, Jesus actually broke into your conversation mm-hmm. and you knew it was Jesus, mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh my yeah. goodness. You know, you, you would, oh, yeah. you would fawn, you'd mm-hmm. be weird. So the fact that he comes mm-hmm. as an other yeah. is so instructive. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. it, it makes me want to put my antenna way up. Yeah. It, it makes me want to think about the ways in which I am hospitable in that way or not. Right. So uh, how have you wrestled with, you've been thinking about this for 15 years. Mm -hmm. So how have you wrestled with this and with the practice of welcoming Mm -hmm. the stranger in your own life? Yeah. Well, first of all, can I just admit that I'm not very good at it, which I think is probably why this part of the story, you know, screams at me because I am an introvert um, and I have a lot of very full relational world. And so I'm never looking to add at that level. Um, I also, just to be quite honest, I seem to have an antenna for who in the room is weird or someone that I really don't prefer or like. And and I don't like that about myself. It's just a truth. And I'm just saying, you know, I'm just yep. trying to be honest here. So 
it's not easy for me. And I think that's one of the reasons why this part of the story strikes me, because I wonder what I'm missing when I refuse to open. So this story has really helped me to be more open and to assume that there are moments when someone intrudes in upon my life or surprises me and they could be Jesus or that could be a person that Jesus wants to use in my life. So it has made me more open and more willing to, to be with people who feel like they're different than myself or even to open up during moments when I'm tired and really would prefer not to open up to anyone new in my life. So I'm not good at it, but this passage has, has helped me to get better. Right. And certainly, I mean, people are listening and mm -hmm. they're introverts and yeah. they're saying, you mean like I am an introvert and I'm exhausted and every single moment of my mm -hmm. life, I have to be open yeah. to receiving a stranger. What mm -hmm. would you say to that? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think that there are moments when out of self-care, we yeah. can say, I'm not up to this today. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm, but I think we need to be careful that we're not so tired all the time that we can never welcome strangers and see the gifts of God through them to us. So that's a part of these sacred rhythms that we've talked about. We want to make sure that we are rested and replenished enough of the time that we can welcome strangers into our lives, at least sometimes, you know? You know, Ruth, I just had this, it's so funny, this just comes to me as, as mm -hmm. we're talking, but really recently I had, and I'm an introvert too, mm -hmm. and I typically feel like I just need to shut it off yeah. and cancel mm -hmm. things and say no. Yeah. And I think sometimes I do. But I was in one of those seasons mm -hmm. really recently, and I, instead of shutting it down, I actually moved toward a relationship, mm -hmm. and it was so life-giving. Mm -hmm. It yeah. really was. And I didn't want to. I felt like it was going to drain me, mm -hmm. but the opposite happened. Yeah. So I do think mm -hmm. there's times where God um, wants to give us a gift right, exactly. that's counter-cultural yeah. mm -hmm. you know, to our natural. Sometimes yeah. we have to be surprised that way. Right. So that it's like, oh, God cares for me that mm -hmm. much. Right. That sort of there's this invitation. Well, and the other aspect of it, too, is that introverts love their one-on-one -on -one conversations. Right. I think that's why I relate to this story so clearly, because the one-on-one -on -one conversation, like what you and I are yeah. having, I find that, because I'm an introvert, I find it to be utterly um, engaging yeah. and energizing. So these two disciples were having the very kind of conversation I like to have, which is yeah. two people walking along talking about the depths of their lives, you know? Yeah. And I don't want to be interrupted by the stranger in that conversation that I'm getting to have. I feel like you're ruining my conversation and I'm yeah. enjoying this. I'm loving this just as it is. And so this story really challenges that as well, that sometimes even when I'm in a conversation that I'm really enjoying just as it is or a relationship that I'm enjoying just as it is, but God presents an opportunity to welcome someone else into that, that I need to consider that as a way in which God might want to be bringing to me something utterly new and fresh, which is what Jesus brought to these disciples. My goodness, yeah. what he brought to them because they were able to open up to him was amazing. It was so beautiful, mm -hmm. yeah. And doesn't this, this, this uh, hooks into an Ignatian principle when we read the scriptures and we notice something that we either warm to, mm -hmm. like, oh, I love that, mm -hmm. or... Ooh, I hate that, you know, like, right? Both of those are things to pay mm -hmm. attention to, right? Yeah. Um, if you have a strong negative reaction to something you read in scripture, mm -hmm. pay attention. Right. Strong positive, pay attention. Um, okay, so uh, why do you think it's difficult for communities of faith to welcome mm -hmm. the stranger? Uh, is there any advice? I hate the word advice. Mm -hmm. Is there any thoughts, suggestions, uh, stories you might tell about faith communities that maybe have welcomed the stranger and they've grown mm -hmm. richer because of it. Yeah. That was about 17 questions right there. Thank you. Do you just want to hone one. in on one? <laughs> just, just pick one. <laughs> oh, well, I think, you know, 
to, to welcome someone who's different than us and to and who really sort of shakes up our world and shakes up our thinking and shakes up our worldview. I think that's really challenging. Sometimes when we think of the stranger, we think of, you know, the stranger walking down the street. But I really think that what's being talked about here is that person who is strange to you on some level, that person with the personality that you don't love, that person with the point of view that you disagree with, that person with a very different life experience than what you've experienced, um, that person who is different in terms of their biblical or theological perspective. You know, those are the hard places for us to do the work of welcoming. And um, in fact, I think many churches structure themselves to keep out the other. In fact, mm -hmm. they actually gather together on the basis of what they all agree on theologically or whatever. And, you know, no one can get in edgewise if they're even slightly different. So, right. and of course, we live in a culture right now where there are so many ways in which this is a cutting edge issue. You know, yes. how do we welcome those who are different than us on all sorts of on all sorts of levels? Um, I remember one time in a transforming community, we were talking about issues of life in the body, honoring the body as a spiritual practice. And we had a whole session on that in, in our last season. And I was presenting on the issue of gender, and I was teaching about the fact that I felt that gender was that defining characteristic, the most defining foundational characteristic, whether you're male or female. And um, and I felt like I was pretty insightful in that teaching. I was nailing it and then thought I'd done a pretty good job. But then at the break, uh, there was a black man that approached me, a black pastor who approached me, and he said, you know, Ruth, I don't really experience it the same way you do. In fact, I experience the issue of race to be more foundational than the issue of gender. So when I walk into a room, I'm not aware of myself as a man as much as I'm aware of myself as African-American, and I'm always aware of who else you know, is black in the room and, you know, how many of us are, there are and who's in leadership and all of that. So I don't see uh, gender as being as foundational for me as race. Wow. So I said, thank you so much for telling me that because I wouldn't have known because I'm white. So I wouldn't have known how foundational that was. And I said, this seems to me to be such an important conversation. Could we have this conversation in front of the group? Yeah. About 80 people. And he was willing to take the risk and do that. And so we told the group about our interaction. And then um, I, I just invited him to talk about his experience of being black and being male. And then um, a black woman raised her hand and said, I really appreciate his perspective, but his perspective is different than mine. Can I?" And then she started to tell what it was like for her and all of the experiences were different. And so for me that, and for the whole community of people gathered there, it opened up the most incredible conversation where people were talking about their experiences of being other Yes. Um, and what it was like to be other, what it was like to be excluded on the basis of being other, um, what it was like to be discriminated against on the basis of being other. It was tender. I think those those kinds of conversations where we talk about the aspect of our being that has caused discrimination for us um, is very, very tender. So and to be in a group that can receive that without having without having to defend anything or trying to dismiss someone else's experience. So that's one of the ways we don't welcome the stranger is when we dismiss their experience somehow or we make our experience more real than their experience. That yes. is a way of not welcoming um, and dismissing someone from our lives in, in very subtle ways. It's not a physical closing the door, but it's saying your experience doesn't matter as much as mine. I'm not welcoming your experience to shape me or to change me. 
my experience is a litmus test of reality. So when we talk about welcoming, it's not just a physically welcoming a stranger into a space. I think it's also about welcoming someone else's experience, welcoming someone else's story, and allowing ourselves to be impacted by that person's story, allowing ourselves to be changed, allowing ourselves to be transformed yes. by their story. Yes. And so I think welcoming the stranger is, is, is one aspect of transforming community, but not just in the big ways in these very subtle ways as well. That's how we change and become different people. It reminds me of the liminal space mm-hmm. that we talked about last week and yeah. about how this man chose to walk mm-hmm. with you in the in, in all mm-hmm. the things that are mm-hmm. happening. Right. And what was happening inside him, yep. he said, I want to tell you what's happening for me. Yep. And, um, and I had to breathe deep and yeah. open up and receive what he had. And what if... And you received it. I did. And then in the moment, you said, let's have a conversation. Right. And, and it was one of the most enriching moments we've ever had in a community because he was brave enough to bring it. Yep. And I had enough presence to say, this needs to be welcomed into the community. Let's offer it to everyone. And not to go to a place of shame mm-hmm. because we miss these things yeah, all the we time. Yeah, we do. We mm-hmm. do. But rewind the tape. Mm-hmm. What if you were tired, mm-hmm. which you probably were. But what if you just said thank you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and oh, man, thanks. for. But but inside you were like, uh-uh. uh, yeah, I'm going to dismiss yeah, that. I don't need to pay attention that. to that. No. That's really not yeah. for me. It's not worthy. Yeah. It's not warranted. Yeah. yeah. Um, what you would have missed, mm-hmm. what he would have missed. And again, not to go to the place of shame. Right. We do mm-hmm. this and we need to. That's why the examine helps. Yeah. We're going to go back and say, yeah. oh, man, I missed that. Yeah. But you didn't miss it. Um, there was something alive mm-hmm. in you, awake in you. Where you went there, mm-hmm. and it was generative. It was expansive. Yeah, it, it got it found its way in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for telling mm-hmm. that story. That's yeah. very instructive. I think yeah. people who are listening can all of a sudden go, "Oh, mm-hmm. I remember." You know, like yeah. that could have happened. Maybe I did miss it right there. Right. Well, and as Christian people, we have been socialized to be so judgmental and evaluative, rather than open and welcoming. You yes. know, to just receive. So. When in the book I talk about, you know, this this idea of inner hospitality, not just hospitality as being I'm going to make a meal, invite you into my home. When we think of hospitality, we're sort of narrow in how we think of hospitality. But I think that there's an inner hospitality that we can practice as a spiritual discipline that has to do with our lives in community where there's a commitment to being open and receptive and welcoming to the story of the other, to the experience of the other, to what they've gone through in their lives and how that might shape and change me. Um, welcoming, open, receptive. There's a kind of inner hospitality that we can give to one another that's also what we're looking for. You know, I don't want just my body to be received into your home for a meal. I want myself and my story to be received and to be welcomed because that's who I am. I am my story, you know, it's what I have. Recently, I read this uh, thing about what happens when we other, the Mm -hmm. other, when we don't receive. And, you know, one of the things that, and I, I knew it was true right away when I read mm-hmm. it, but is we dehumanize mm-hmm. the other person yeah. by taking away their name. Mm-hmm. Like we, you know, the ex, mm-hmm. you know, versus Sally yeah. or those people or, yeah. you know, and so I think there's something to um, just even saying, you know, receiving someone, mm-hmm. remembering their name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just yeah. such a little, mm-hmm. or referring to even in the political arena. Uh, so we're going to go there a little bit, uh, but from the for, for the purpose of recognizing how it seems that we've lost 
civil conversation. Mm -hmm. We've lost the ability to hold dignity of the mm -hmm. other person yeah. while disagreeing, maybe hardcore about political mm -hmm. opinions. I just have recently realized that there's a whole group of people who are referring to President Trump, not as not by President Trump, but as 45. Mm -hmm. He's the 45th president. And okay, I think these people disagree. You can disagree, you, you can agree. But to, to take away someone's name seems to me to be not moving towards uh, welcoming the other, not moving towards um, what Christ might have for us in those really difficult places. So Ruth, can, can we go there for a second? Like, what does it mean in this polarized, fear-filled, isolated society where um, especially we're looking at the political spectrum and we're saying we're getting farther and farther apart. Where do we, what do we do with that? Well, I wonder if the biblical instruction to pray for our leaders isn't particularly pertinent here because yeah. um, as much as one can disagree with what's happening on the political scene, when you, when you enter into the discipline of, of actually praying for a person, and praying for them by name and praying for their family and praying for their character and praying for the decisions they're facing and praying for their transformation if you feel led to do that. Um, you can't be the same towards that person after you have honestly and tenderly prayed for them. And I wonder if that's not one of the reasons why we're instructed to pray for our leaders, because no matter how we feel about them, how, how strongly we disagree, to be willing to go to a place of prayer on their behalf and to stand in God's presence on their behalf could be transforming, I think. Um, I do think, you're, you know, you're so right to say that when we do refuse to call people by their name, individuals or whole groups of people, or we stereotype them and use denigrating language about them, or we just lump them all together and stereotype right. them, that is so disrespectful, and it gives us just a very easy way to dismiss them, which is the opposite of what we're talking about here. We're not welcoming them on any level, you know? So this idea of welcoming the stranger has many levels and layers. So let's imagine for a moment that because the two people didn't recognize Jesus, let's imagine for a moment that he appeared to them like a Samaritan or like, you know, so they really had work to do. Mm -hmm. um, and let's imagine they had to debrief that after Jesus was gone. How do you debrief an experience where maybe you didn't um, respond mm -hmm. very well? Maybe you yeah. you backed up, you backed away instead of leaning in. You, um, um, how, how do we, like we're sitting in the examen chair and we've realized, oh shoot, mm -hmm. how do we climb out of that? Yeah. Oh, I think it's so important to ask the question, you know, what was that about? What was happening inside me that, that caused me to go this way, you know, to back away yeah. rather than to lean in? Um, and what does that say about where I'm at in my spirituality right now? Because if we are not consistently leaning in with love, then 
there's something going on that's not altogether positive. So the willingness to not only note the behavior, but to also wonder what was going on underneath that caused that behavior and to open that question up with God and to allow God to give you the insight as to what was really going on there becomes really important. Because the beautiful thing about the examen is that when you notice something like that and you're willing to go to the next level to allow God to reveal to you what it was that caused that behavior, then tomorrow becomes another opportunity. There's always, tomorrow's always coming and there's always another opportunity to do it differently out of the self-awareness that we've achieved. And I, I thank God for that. You know, that yeah. it's never just final and done. There's also the opportunity to revisit it and apologize if we need to, which is also in our culture a very radical choice. Yeah. To seek someone out and to say, you know, that that happened, that was that was really bad. And yeah. I'm, I'm really I'm sorry. sorry. And I've sat with God with that. And this is what he's showing to me about that. Can you forgive me? Is there anything yeah. I need to do to make it right? That uh, a lot of times it's easy for us to do that kind of confession just with God, but we're not willing to go back to the person. Yeah. And that's the place where a lot of healing takes place. Yes. And I believe that every single place that heals in the body of Christ and in the world actually contributes to the healing of the whole. It might be the most hidden, small little thing, but it, you know, knits back together a place in the body of Christ or a place in our world that has been torn apart. And there is untold benefit to that. We might not ever see it, but, you know, I do believe what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, that we do live in a web of mutuality. Yes. And so when we rip that web apart, that affects everyone. When we knit a piece of the web back together, um, it affects everyone in a positive way. Yes. Amen to that. So I want to go back to this idea of developing practices of welcoming the stranger mm -hmm. is sort of enriching the inner hospitality. Do you think there's value if you're a person, perhaps um, a majority culture person, about intentionally walking into situations where you are the other. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you yes, think there's value yes. in that? I do, because I think that it's hard for us to just conceptually, we can't know what it feels like on a conceptual level to be the other, to be the one that's so different than everybody else, to be the one that gets silenced, to be the one that gets dismissed on some level, to be the one that gets discriminated against. If you haven't had that experience, you cannot know what it feels like. You can give some sort of mental assent to it, and you can kind of nod your head and say, I understand, but you don't feel it, yeah. and you haven't been changed by the experience of feeling what that's like. And um, because I know I can say this to you, I think white males in particular don't have a lot of experience of what it means to be the other and yeah. to have experienced being dismissed or silenced or discriminated on the basis of some, some sort of physical characteristic that makes them different. Yeah. Um, so for all of us, and myself too, I mean, you know, I'm a white female, but I have had some experience of being dismissed and silenced and um, discriminated against on the basis of gender. Yeah. But I still have to put myself in situations where I seek to understand white privilege because that's hard. It's hard to understand until you really sit with people who don't have that and let them tell you what white privilege is from their point of view and what it feels like not to have it and what it feels like to see you have it. Those are really hard conversations and risky ones, but they change us if we're willing to be changed. If we're not willing to have that conversation, we don't get to be changed. Right. We just keep going in our, in our blindness and in our um, blissful ignorance, I guess. Mm. You know? So... When we have cultivated an inner hospitality, when we're a little bit farther down the road on this, when it doesn't feel mm -hmm. so radically new and right. weird, what begins to grow in us and around us? Mm -hmm. 
Well, what's interesting is that when we have kind of moved beyond such a judgmental evaluative stance towards everything, and we are more welcoming in terms of being willing to receive the other in, in the gift of who they are, conversations definitely take on a different tone because they're not, now my job here is not to argue with you. My job here is not to convince you of my point of mm. view. Um, my job is not to convince you that you're wrong or that somehow your experience doesn't matter. Now I, I get to just receive it. And I, and, and that's, that's a very different way of being in relationship. It's a very different way of being in conversation. Mm. Um, and, and then they relax you know, when they realize yes. that that's the kind of conversation they're yeah. in. Yeah. And they're, they're more open. And they tell you more, and then you have more of an opportunity to be transformed by what you've, what's been shared with you. Uh, and then you have the opportunity to, you know, offer some of yourself back. And if, if the conversation is welcoming, then they can welcome you too. And there's this mutual mm. back and forth that, that is enriching. And I think that kind of community life is really, really winsome and attractive these days. I think that's what people are really longing for is a place where they experience that kind of welcome, that kind of being seen. Um, and what a witness that is, you know, what a witness oh, that yeah. is to the power of the kind of community that Jesus wants to create among us. These themes are coming up already mm -hmm. in just the, ep the second episode, but of sort of doing the work to let go of judgment. Mm -hmm. And then that opens ourselves up to carrying these, these things mm -hmm. that previously were so hard, lighter. Like mm -hmm. last time we talked about the idea of Christian community in the church and, oh, we're going to fix people. But then there's a mm -hmm. way of not fixing people. And then we can carry these burdens in a much lighter way. It, it occurs to me the same is true here mm -hmm. when, when, you know, because we can think about even issues of race mm -hmm. or immigration, right? And I mean, right. I can even feel my own pulse mm -hmm. starting to race. Yeah. But is there a way of cultivating? Those things are very serious. Mm -hmm. But can we hold them more lightly? Yeah. Yeah, I think we can. Um, I also think that this kind of welcome and love that we're talking about is is in and of itself transforming. Yes. So when this is experienced between people, something gets transformed in us and in our world. And that's the beautiful thing. I think sometimes we want to think about changing the big issue out there. So because I'm not, I can't deal with conflict and welcome over here, but I'm going to go across the ocean yes. to some other place and work yes. on it there. And that's really sad. Yeah. You know, how we think that it's going to have more value for me to go do that over there than to do it in the relationships God has given me and to believe that there's going to be something about that that impacts not only myself, but the larger world, you know? Yeah. So to stay very faithful, stay very faithful to the intimate relationships that we have and practice it there, and then also being willing to get involved in the larger issues when God opens a path for that and makes that way clear. Yeah. Systemic issues is what I mean. Right. You know, that none of this is going to get solved if we don't deal with systemic issues also. So I want to be really careful yep. that I'm saying it's, it's both a both and. and, you know, that I'm working on it in my own intimate relationships and I'm engaging issues of systemic lack of welcome or systemic injustice as God opens those paths for me. But I like that you went there because we are mm -hmm. talking about the broader context of Christian yeah. community. Yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we want to go overseas. And, yeah. It's and, like, and you know, we, we've got like, a, you know, we've got an unresolved problem with conflict in a church environment, but we're going across to Palestine to work yeah. with the Palestinians yeah. with their conflict. And I'm like, I think you better stay home, buddy, and just work on what's yeah. going on in your yeah. church. You yeah. know, <laughs> don't yeah. think, it's, you know, that you need to go over there right now. Stay yeah. right here and yeah. do the work of conflict transformation right here where you are. Yes. That's a confrontation. Mm -hmm. 
but it's an invitation. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think all of us yeah. maybe are listening mm. going, ooh. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, yes. Let's go there. And, and, and let's, let's not let ourselves off the hook, I guess. Right. is You know, we are mature people who are sitting here talking and listening to this podcast. Let's not let ourselves off the hook of the hard work we need to do in our relationships right here by going and doing yeah. it someplace else. Let's take the seven-mile walk right. with someone. Mm-hmm. But yeah. between here mm-hmm. and Jerusalem, yeah. here mm-hmm. and Mason, you know, let's, let's, let's walk with someone right. that's right mm-hmm. here. And let's let's get into the mm-hmm. issues, and yeah. let's not let ourselves off. Yeah, the and see how Jesus joins us in that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, Ruth. That was episode two. Uh, the next episode is choosing to listen rather than fix. We've already touched on that, but we're going to take that a whole lot deeper. Uh, they stood still, looking sad, is the subtitle for that. So, can't wait for that. Yep, looking forward to it. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts out there, and we're grateful that you've spent the last 30 minutes with us. Thanks, Steve, for such great questions and for taking that step of faith to join a transforming community so long ago in 2011. If you're a pastor or a leader who would like to connect your soul with your leadership, please do consider this an invitation to learn more about the transforming community, a two-year experience of spiritual formation for leaders. Our experience is grounded in scripture, it is animated by a Trinitarian approach to transformation and community, and it's informed by the richness and diversity of our Christian heritage. If you'd like to learn more, do visit us at transformingcenter.org.